Welcome to the Water Walkers podcast. Every believer experiences moments like Peter when Jesus called him out of the boat to walk on the water. So we've created this podcast in hopes of encouraging other leaders as they learn to follow the voice of Jesus as Peter did. I'm excited to introduce another fellow Arkansan and good friend, Jeff Smith, the president of the Smith Family Funeral Homes. Founded by Jeff's grandfather back in 1955, the Smith Family Funeral Homes have been a family business of three generations. In 2010, Jeff and his wife Leslie purchased the family business from his parents. And get this, since then, the funeral group has grown 500% in volume and revenue, expanded to six new locations, a cremation society, two crematories, and two cemeteries. Jeff and the Smith Family Funeral Homes have been featured in national magazines like The Director and The American Funeral Director and local publications like Arkansas Business. In 2020, Jeff purchased Cyrus Life Insurance Company and also founded Cyrus Works, which is a company dedicated to providing critical tools, services, and strategies to fellow funeral home owners. And we won't make it far in our conversation without talking about Jeff's family. Jeff was fortunate to marry his best friend, Leslie, and has three children. Jeff is also known as a very active member of the community, serving on the executive board of his local chamber and being very involved in several local organizations and ministries and nonprofits. We'll have a lot to talk about, and hopefully Jeff can be a recurring guest on the podcast. I've known Jeff since 2013, and I've seen the way that he's navigated the ups and downs and ins and outs of growing a business, and I've seen how God has been at work in his life, in his family, and in his workplace. So I'm excited for you to get a glimpse into what God's doing in his life, and hopefully it'll encourage you as well. All right, so welcome, Jeff Smith. Thank you so much for jumping on and having a conversation with me today. I realized as I was looking back through kind of some of the story and some of your bio that, you know, you had purchased the funeral home in 2010. I met you not long after that. It would have been right around the start of 2013. So that's kind of where I inserted into the timeline, into the story. And I've had the privilege of kind of getting to see, I mean, we can look back and we can share kind of a smoothed over bio, but I know that there have been bumps in the road and there's been mountains and valleys and the whole, the whole thing has unfolded really in amazing ways and, and what I, uh, you know, imagine were somewhat unexpected ways, but that's part of the fun. And I, I love to get the opportunity to just give some more people a glimpse uh, and some people who are probably going through similar circumstances in their life where they're going through sometimes the mountains and other times the valleys, but they know they're following what God has them to do. And so to get to hear your story, I think it'll be really encouraging to, to some of those people. So uh, we always start off with the icebreaker question. And so I want to just kick off with that. And the one that we chose was if you could relive one day from your past, what day would you choose and why? Well, first, thanks for having me on here, Logan. And I need to say, uh, I certainly lived through the valleys and uh, the mountains myself. And so I'm not sure. Thank you for asking me to do this. Um, all I can do is share my experiences and uh, hope God gets the glory. But the answer to your question, if I could relive any one day, I've been thinking about that. I mean, of course, I think probably... Uh, the one of the most magic, probably the most magical day of my life was the day I got married. Uh, and that would be an easy answer. And of course, the, when my children were born, that was great. My dad died last year. I'm sure I could think of a special day that I'd like to relive with my dad. But for the answer to this question, the day that really came to mind 
was a totally unexpected day with my wife, Leslie. Uh, and uh, what it was was years ago, my kids were young and the in-laws had taken the kids away for Fourth of July for like five nights or something. And they were going they were going out of town. And so just me and Leslie and uh, we were kind of like all of a sudden, what are we going to do? We've got several days here, a long weekend. And yeah. I have the flexibility with my job that sometimes I can take a day or two off um, if without being announced, so to speak. And so I was praying that morning. Uh, I love to sit on my back porch and pray. And I was just sitting out there praying. And that, as I was praying, I was just kind of thinking and thinking, okay, God, what are what are we going to do today? What are me and Leslie going to do? And I just felt like God said to me, uh, do whatever Leslie wants to do. And in my mind, that meant like, if I wanted to go ride bikes or if I wanted to go play golf, don't initiate, don't suggest, just really do whatever she wants to do. And I didn't know what that would mean. Shortly thereafter, Leslie comes outside. Actually, what I really felt like I heard God say was, whatever Leslie says she wants to do, just say yes. Yeah. That was, and that's not the way I talked to myself. So I was like, okay. And uh, all right, God, I hear you. And so she came outside and we're sitting there chit-chatting and I just casually said, no, I didn't even ask her. She walked out and she said, what do you think about going to uh, a U2 concert in Chicago? What? And I was like, are you kidding me? And she <laughs> said, no, I was just, something popped up. I don't remember how she said. And she said, yeah, u is playing in Chicago tomorrow night. And and we've got those Southwest Airlines frequent flyer miles. Maybe I thought we could go. And I was like, oh, wow. my gosh, you're not going to believe. Bottom line, I said yes. What I said was, well, if we can get a flight, and we can get up there and use our miles. And that cost us anything. Absolutely. So we looked. And I think within two hours, there was a flight going to Chicago uh, that we booked. And we wow. threw our stuff in a bag. We went to the airport. Uh, we bought tickets to the concert and booked the hotel both in the car on the way to the airport. And within about two hours of that prayer, we're on our way to go see you two in Chicago and just had a wow. great, just, we stayed up there, I think two nights, just had a great little getaway. It was so much fun. It was a wild adventure. And um, that was a really special day because it was with her. It was unexpected and it was just God. So, yeah. That is remarkable. And I said in the introduction before you came on that I recorded, I said, see how long it takes before he starts talking about his wife, Leslie. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's funny. So here that's we go. Funny. Yeah. So the Smith family funeral homes, you know, founded back in 1955 by your grandfather. This is a three generation business, a family business. And a lot of times I know several other family businesses and that has its own dynamics. And I wondered if there might be just a little bit of insight on what has made that work for you. Like how, is there something in your case that could be insight into how a family business generationally has worked, just working with your family? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> there's no other family in the business. That's, that's probably a big part of what's made it helpful uh, yeah. for us is my granddad had founded actually two businesses. He founded the funeral home. And then about a decade later, he founded an insurance company to help fund with prepaid funerals for our funeral home. And then when he retired, 
the funeral home went to my dad and the insurance company went to my aunt. So they weren't tripping over each other. They were symbiotic and they worked together, but they each had their own space. And uh, when I came back to the funeral home, when I was talking to my dad about it, I have one brother and uh, my wife actually, it was actually my wife's grandfather wisely said, hey, Jeff, uh, I recommend if you're going to do this, that unless your brother is going to come work in the business with you, that when you buy the business, you should be able to buy 100% of it. And so I talked to my dad about that. My dad agreed. My dad's logic was, look, if we were selling to any other you know, any other buyer, uh, they would not let your brother have ownership. They would want to buy 100%. And if you're going to buy it, you get 100%. And so we sat down with my brother and he completely understood. He said, yeah, it totally makes sense. And so um, it is a family business, but it's not that I'm working with family every single day. That helps. So I don't have a lot of experience working with family in our business, but just being a family third generation business comes with its own set of challenges. Uh, there's the struggles of living up to when it's a successful business, you just don't want to fail and yeah. living up to the legacy of my granddad and my parents um, and the pressure that comes from um, the perception of your, you know, this was handed to you, it was just given to you. Um, you know, those are their own set of challenges. And we've been able to navigate them because uh, for one, uh, my dad actually told me, that I could not come work in the family business until I was, when I finished college, he said, you need to go work somewhere else and, and earn your stripes somewhere else and make sure this is the right thing for you. And it was almost, uh, I was in my late twenties before I came back to the funeral home and I, he wouldn't sell it to me right away. I still had to work here for four years before he sold me the business. So I was in my early thirties when I bought the business. That was really helpful. That was really good because I did, have a chance to grow and mature, learn a lot. And I worked those four years, I worked under my dad and he really mentored me and taught me how to run the business. That was very, very helpful. And then uh, most of the credit though goes to my dad because he, he didn't hang around too long, but he didn't leave too fast. And he knew there was a healthy balance there. And that, that's the advice I give to people who are looking at uh, succession in a family business is the you know, my dad and I, what, what we decided upon was he would not sell me the business before a particular date, but he would sell it to me by date. We had a window that when I came to work here, we knew that everything going well, he was going to sell me the funeral home in this window. So there was no pressure on either side. That, that probably is where I see most family businesses struggles when the next generation comes in and they're either pressuring their father to leave the business or the father's hanging around so long that he's smothering the next generation. That's, that's probably the biggest problem I see in multi-generational businesses. And in the years leading up and a little bit of the preparation for, uh, you know, coming into the family business, I know you, you had gone to school, gotten your MBA. I mean, was this kind of your thinking and your track all along is, is to, to come back and, and, and work in the family business? It was. So I had worked here. Uh, shoot, I mowed the lawn when I was a teenager. In college, I worked here in the summer some. And, and I always liked uh, working at the funeral home because uh, you're serving people, you're helping people every day. And that really, you know, attracted me. You know, most people say, oh my gosh, I can't believe you work in a funeral home or what's that like? But it's similar to nursing or teaching, you know, you're helping people every day. 
is what you're yeah. doing. It's very rewarding. And I experienced it as a young man, but it's not for everyone. My brother worked here and, you know, he didn't really enjoy it, which was fine. Uh, he's now a real estate appraiser, very successful, but I always suspected that I would end up back here when I finished college. Uh, I was going to go to mortuary school and become an embalmer. And my dad said, no, he said, you probably won't be working in the prep room much. He said, you'd be better off if you're going to continue your education, get an MBA to be prepared to run the business. Again, great advice for my dad. That was, yeah, it was good. But even then yeah. I still didn't come here right away. Right. Right. Well, so you, you did take over eventually in 2010. And I just imagine if you could go back in time to the 2010 Jeff, if you remember what that Jeff was like, do you think that the 2010 Jeff would believe everything that you've accomplished today if you could go back and tell him ahead of time? Oh, no, no, not at all. I remember in 2010 talking to someone at that point, we had... Uh, my granddad started one funeral home, and until 2008, we had one location. In 2008, we made our first purchase of another funeral home, and it was really my dad was doing it for me. It was, and they were selling because I was here, even though I didn't own it yet. The seller was selling because they knew I would continue things on. Anyways, I was talking to a coworker in 2010, and they're like, man, you're going to be the next blah, 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 and you're going to own funeral homes everywhere. And, and, and I distinctly remember saying, I don't know about that. I said, I don't have any dreams or aspirations to go own a bunch of funeral homes or own a bunch of businesses. Uh, I just want to do what God calls me to do. And now here we are with nine funeral homes and two cemeteries and an insurance company and, and uh, we're continuing to grow. And no, no, I, I, no, I would not. God's far exceeded what I thought would happen back then. Well, so if you could give one piece of advice back to that 2010 Jeff, I mean, what, what would you say? If you got that five minutes with your 2010 self, what would you say? Oh, I know exactly. I know exactly. I know what turned the business. I know what unleashed us. And uh, it took a few years to get there. But what I would say is the, the, the key, besides just giving great customer service and that kind of thing, if you want to grow, the key to it is empowering your people. And that makes sense. But how do you empower your people? And it's actually so simple. And it's sitting down and really thinking about and creating a purpose and core values and vision and mission and explaining to myself what each of those means and then how you communicate those to your people so that they own them and embrace them. Because really that becomes the vision. That the vision becomes the direction. They know where you're heading. The core values become the rules to play by. And the mission is what you do every single day to live out the vision. And the purpose is just why you exist. And once I got all that and I put it on paper, uh, it's blurred out, but on my wall, there's a green poster. It hangs in all of our locations. It's everywhere. We talk about it all the time. Those core values, especially, that is your heart as an owner. And you're telling your, co you're telling your coworkers, your team, look, every day, you just follow these rules and we're gonna, you're going to be good and we're going to be good. And you can really begin to let go of stuff and begin to delegate and trust people. And that's what, once we put that in place, it was shortly after that, that our growth really began to happen because it wasn't all revolved around me. Um, that would definitely be what I would tell my 2010 self, teach my 2010 wow. self. Yes. Yeah. No, that's, that's critical. 
So if we jump ahead a little bit, we want to move the timeline up to, let's say, 2020. And you founded Cyrus Works. And again, there's a lot that happened in that 10 years between 2010 and 2020. And there was a lot of growth, new acquisitions and things that expanded and a lot of clarity that came to you, which is great. Uh, and I want to kind of start to zero in a little bit on how faith has come into that and, and even where you've seen prayer at work. But as we kind of set the stage for that, you founded Cyrus Works in 2020. And so can you just describe briefly, just, get, just to give the listeners a chance to understand what Cyrus Works is? Okay. So Cyrus Works is a vision for the next stage of growth of our company. Cyrus Works is a is the parent is the new parent company of the organization. Once we we had the funeral homes and we bought the insurance company, and <clears throat> we wanted to really to grow the insurance company, we want to reach out and serve the funeral industry. We're in the funeral space, even our insurance company. And so Cyrus Works is a company that revolves around meeting the needs and serving and helping funeral homeowners. And so it's a it's different companies, different consulting, uh, insurance. Um, some other programs that would help a funeral homeowner be successful. And the reason we chose the name and the phrase Cyrus Works was we wanted to have an umbrella that everything fit under that uh, tied it all together, but we needed a name. And yeah. uh, so the name Cyrus comes from the biblical King Cyrus in the Old Testament. And uh my wife and I were praying and talking and we were trying to come up with what should the name be. And actually I was wanting to sit down and talk to her about it and she was busy and we just kept never got around to it. And one night I was like, baby, I've, we've got to come up with the name. We got to come up with the name. And she said, well, I've told our son that we're going to play um, Yahtzee or whatever it was we were going to play that night. She's like, I'm going to play Yahtzee. Yeah, either you're coming and you're joining us or you're not. And I'm like, I'm whatever. I'll come, yeah. I'll come play Yahtzee. And, and I did, but I had this thought, well, I'll just talk to my wife and son about it while we're playing Yahtzee. Why can't we yeah. talk about the name of the company while we're playing Yahtzee? Even though that wasn't what I had in mind. And so I told him, I said, let's talk about this while we're playing. Let's, let's say a short prayer before we get started. And so I said a little prayer and even while I'm praying, God dropped the name in my head immediately, just said, Cyrus, call the company Cyrus. And I immediately knew why. And the reason for the name Cyrus, and I told my wife and son this, and they agreed, and it was done, and we played Yahtzee, and the conversation was, it, it was had. But the yeah. reason we chose the name Cyrus is because uh, King Cyrus was a Gentile king that was used by God for his kingdom purposes. And we're Gentiles, and we want to be used by God for his kingdom purposes. It's that simple. God funneled resources to benefit the nation of Israel through King Cyrus. And it was through King Cyrus that they, the Israelites were set free out of captivity. And he sent them back home and even gave money and resources to rebuild the nation of Israel. And uh, I've always resonated with that image of being used by God and his resources being funneled through us. So that's why that's why the name just made so much sense. And we chose to call the company Cyrus Works because it's a, it's not just one company, it's several companies. And we want to be doing work. We want to be doing God's works through our companies. And then each company underneath it, we're naming Cyrus Life Insurance Company, Cyrus Business Solutions, Cyrus Life Planning. So it all ties together. Yeah. Oh, that's remarkable. And some smart, uh, you know, the way that those all interconnect and interact together. 
yeah. that's really neat. What What's the way for anybody who's watching this, who's interested in looking more at that? Where do they find more info about Cyrus Works? Oh, well, you can go to our website, cyrusworks.com, and you'll pretty quickly figure out it's geared towards somebody in the funeral industry. Uh, but that is the vision that God gave us years ago. I was praying and we were buying these funeral homes. And uh, when you buy a funeral home, there's a lot of debt and overhead that comes with it. You know, you're buying a building and cars and a lot of staff. And if things slow down, you still got to make that debt payment. And my wife had been in, and I have a board. I had, that's one of the smart things I did too. I'd probably tell my 2010 self is earlier on, I would have made a board of advisors to help me. But my wife and my advisors were all kind of pointing out that, uh, hey, if everything's going good, it's great. But when it slows down, this debt is pretty burdensome. It's not the debt, it's the overhead that's associated with it. And so uh, I was just had kind of been thinking about that and was praying and just really felt like God showed me a vision for the what became Cyrus Works probably back around 2015. And that was this idea of kind of a three-legged stool where you have our funeral homes and then you have a consulting business that helps funeral homeowners. And then you have our insurance company and the three work together harmoniously because the, you can, you know, create best practices in the funeral home. You can share them with other owners through the consulting. <clears throat> and as people work with our consulting company, we introduce them to our insurance company to sell our insurance products and it all works harmoniously together. And that's what, that's what Cyrus works is. The vision was years before we ever did it. And it was driven by, you know, this, this need to grow. God's created me to build and grow businesses. I recognize that about myself, but we don't have to necessarily do it by buying brick and mortar over and over again. Right. So just a handful of questions in the time that we have remaining several times through our conversation, uh, even way back when, uh, you know, you were having that weekend to go see you two with your wife, Leslie, and you would pray. It's obvious that you pray for your business and you pray about different decisions and life circumstances. And it's not only that you pray, it's that your, your prayers, and this is the way prayers designed is to be a dialogue It is a two way street that we don't just say words to God, but we also take time to listen. We take time to be sensitive, to seek direction. And so even just in the process of growing in following that voice of the Holy Spirit and his promptings, even just those little faint impressions, I wondered if you could explain some of your journey in growing in that area. And, and even in a way where somebody who's listening, who may want to grow in that area and say, I really do want to grow in praying for my business. And they want to know what does that look like? And how do I begin to kind of posture my, my mind and my heart to, to be sensitive to what the Lord may be saying, even in the times when I may miss it and may not be listening. Could you speak a yeah. little bit to that? Sure. I'm still growing in it. I mean, uh, you know, if you had to ask me what percent of my prayer time is me talking and me hearing it's 98, 99% me talking or, you know, radio silence and maybe one or 2%. I feel like I'm, I'm hearing, um, I may be exaggerating, but it feels like that a lot of times. Yeah. But I would say to anyone and for me too, it's the, it, it's me making the commitment to step forward in faith and say, okay, God, I'm going to show up every single day. And that's where it started for me it was years ago. I heard people talk about quiet time. And I finally reached a place. I was 
going through a difficult season. And I said, I'm going to set my alarm clock and I'm going to get up every single day and I'm going to go sit down. I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to pray and try and listen to God. And in, in the beginning, it was 10, 15 minutes, maybe. In fact, there was times where I would set a timer to make myself sit there for that long. But it real quickly, the time started getting longer as I sat there because I, a lot of times when I'm being quiet, you know, who knows what I'm thinking about? I may be thinking about my day, thinking about my kids, but I'm communicating with God during that time. But what I found was, you know, God often is, he's there waiting, but he's looking for us to make the first step. And so if you've not made the first step, you just have to make yourself available. And it was having the discipline for me to get up every morning and go sit down and spend time with God. And even if it requires setting an alarm clock or setting a timer to be committed to make myself available, it, it will quickly grow beyond that to where you desire to be out there. Your time will grow. You'll want to spend more time out there. But then you'll go through seasons where it's like, you know, what am I doing? I'm just sitting here, you know, like I have peaks and valleys in my prayer life. Uh, and, but if I'm faithful and I keep doing it, when I'm in a valley and maybe I'm out there and I'm not hearing anything while I'm out there. Uh, this week I went and had uh, lunch with the old friend, Eric Gilmore. And we yeah. just talking and catching up. And afterwards he sent me, he's like, man, you know, I've been praying for you since we met. I loved our time together, but I just really feel these verses for you. And I just wanted to share them with you. Oh my gosh. They were just spot on, you know, and I knew it was God speaking to me and it, you know, so it doesn't always come in that prayer time, but it comes through other people. It comes, it's often come through you, Logan, at different times, you know, or other people that randomly God will speak to me. That's actually, I probably hear God speak to me through other people almost more than I do in my own quiet time. Although I do get promptings in my quiet time. Does that answer your question? Yes. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. And it does, it does paint a good picture of even just starting small, starting simple. Start with that 10 minutes. Yep. And I, I often encourage people to make a, make a holy experiment out of it. If you could give, you know, the first hour of your Monday and just seek the Lord for your business, or maybe it's 10 minutes at the beginning of the day. I said, try it for six weeks, try it for six months. And if nothing happens, you can just forget about it. But st <laughs> stuff always happens. God never fails to make that a special time. So, yeah, uh, absolutely. Are there some examples as you've gone through the, the valleys and, and the mountains, uh, just some examples of answered prayer where, where you have uh, seen a need, whether it's you faced an obstacle or maybe it was a great opportunity, but where you know God was at work and, and praying and seeking the Lord for your business really, really showed a breakthrough? Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, there's... I'd, I'd have to look through my prayer journal to come up with a, a bunch of examples, but I'm sure you have a bunch, but even just one or two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. So, um, well, one thing is every business we've ever bought, the seller called us and came to us when I've tried to go out and approach someone that's never worked. It's always mm -hmm. been waiting upon God and have and been like, okay, God, I want what you want. And uh, one particular example is there was a business that, that uh, I went and approached, the seller said no. About a year later or so, they came back to me and said, hey, are you still interested? And I said, yes. And I'm not going to get into all the details of it. But as we began negotiating, uh, I made an offer 
that uh, uh, I made an offer that was, you know, at this level and the seller came back and said, no, 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 I want this. And I was like, forget it. And then really through prayer and not just my prayer, I have a circle of people around me that I will share things with and ask some people to pray with me about this. And one of the ladies in that circle came to me and she said, hey, I had a vision. I had a dream. I know it sounds crazy, but there was a vending machine and there was a check that was going in the vending machine. And she said, I could read the check and the check had a name on it and a dollar amount on it. And I really think this is what you're supposed to buy the business for. So wow. I made an offer here. He had asked for this. And the number that she gave me was down here. Even lower. Okay. Even lower. And I prayed about it and I felt peace in my spirit. And it made sense. There was a lot of logic that went into that as I looked at it and looked at why that number made sense. And so I just held firm and I just became committed that, hey, God, if you want me to have this business, either I'm going to get it for this price or you're going to show me something different. And lo and behold, it took months. It took discipline. It took long periods where I didn't even talk to the seller. All of a sudden, one day out of the blue, he contacts me and says, I'll accept your price. And I know it was God. It was all God. Uh, that that definitely is one of my favorite God stories. And of course, it's one of the best buys we've ever made because I wouldn't have done that. Um, another example where I've seen God show up and show out in our business is uh, financially. So I try to be a good money manager, but man, we've had Logan, anybody who owns a business, I think, is going to go through times where money gets tight. It just yeah. happens. And um, when we, whenever money has gotten tight, there has, you know, like I haven't felt this need to do anything crazy drastic, like just pray, just trust in God. And I've had miraculous things happen where money just came in, you know, just the right amount of money at just the right time. Uh, recently, I didn't even know there was an employee retention tax credit. I got contacted, we looked into it, turned out we got a huge sum of money from the employee retention tax credit. At the time when we were going through all that, I had no idea we were about to go through a really slow period and the money came in at exactly the right time that wow. we came, the, the amount of money we needed to pay a particular set of bills and everything was the amount of money that came in from the employee retention tax credit. And we have savings and stuff, but it's kind of like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to touch that. Uh, we didn't get like desperate, like we we're about to go under. Right. But that's an example where over and over again. And then the other thing is uh, I have, we've needed people and we've prayed and literally prayed people into our business. Literally yeah. like felt like that person is supposed to come work for us and just began to really pray. And that person will, that may not happen immediately, may not happen overnight. But there's numerous people that work in our company that we literally prayed into our company. Uh, and yeah. I can tell you individual stories, but those are uh, really the finances and the people are where I see God show up over and over again. Yeah. It's having the discipline to, to not get in the way. And because mm. as an owner, you feel like you, I feel like sometimes I've got to take over, I've got to do something, I've got a responsibility. And it's what I pray for is discernment, which to me is the difference between the flesh and the spirit. Right. It's understanding I need to be wise and I need to do some stuff, but I don't have to act out of fear and act out of the flesh. So God, give right. me discernment to know, you know, where it is. And, 
And I just trust he's leading me. I'm going to keep walking forward. I'm going to keep taking steps. And, and I'm just going to trust God's meet me, going to meet me in it. I'm going to, I'm not going to sit and do nothing. I'm going to move forward. Right. Right. But there is a part, I mean, that I can think of many, many stories, just examples of how there are circumstances that are beyond your control, but they're not beyond God's control. And there is a part where we have to be diligent as the business owner, as whatever our responsibility is, but there is discernment in knowing your diligence will only get you so far. And there are parts of it that you can't, you, you can't just push God mode and manipulate everything to be perfectly right as you want it to be every time. Yeah. But we do serve God who by his very nature does have God mode and sometimes it can do <laughs> and can work in circumstances where we, where our diligence can't get us there. And so I have seen many times how circumstances have aligned and sometimes it's just a matter of God's timing. Sometimes we want something sooner or later than God knows that, that we need it. But I have seen that come into alignment in your story many times where it really could be only oh. God could really take the credit. Yeah. I mean, just right now we're, we're buying another business and it's going much slower, months and months and months slower than what we thought it would go. And it, I mean, it's going along, but it's been frustrating. And, uh, but one of the things I saw in that was when I was talking to my attorney, there's a regulatory approval process involved in this. He said, he said to me just the other day, he said, Jeff, your timing's perfect. He said, if you would have made this application in July, you would not have qualified. But the regulations wow. changed. And starting August 1st, they changed. And now you qualify. If we'd been on wow. my timeline, we would have been back March, April, or May. And who knows what they would have done to the deal. Well, you know, would a seller be willing to wait until August at that point? But because of all the delays and everything, when we were now past that threshold of August, he said, man, you're so lucky that this you're applying now. Yeah. Now here I am getting frustrated and anxious, <laughs> but God yeah. knew his timing is perfect. <clears throat> yeah, there is uh, I was, I was recently reading, I just had a meeting with another uh, leader in the community and we were just reading Psalm 55 is where David says, cast your burdens on the Lord and he will save you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. And so that would kind of be my closing encouragement for everybody listening, even in those moments when you may be in a valley or you may feel frustrated that something's not quite as you first expected or want it to be. Uh, but Jeff has been a great encouragement over the years. And part of his steadiness is being able to give those to Jesus to ultimately trust the ultimate owner of the business. And the example that he set and the involvement that he has in encouraging other leaders has been a huge blessing. So I'm so thankful to have had you on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on and having this conversation. You have any closing thoughts before we go? Um, you know, the only other thing I would say, first of all, is we're not perfect. And the second thing is don't ever overlook tithing. Um, Ooh, we give, yeah. we, we've always been generous givers, and I do think that unlocks God's blessing. I think it's pretty simple. You know, the commitment to spend time and seek God, even if it's not perfect, and the commitment to remain generous, in, in my opinion, are what has helped unlock God's, you know, God's blessing in our businesses. That, so that would probably be the summary of what I would say where I see God at work and how he, Amazing. How he works. Amazing. Thank you so much, Jeff. Really appreciate it. All right, Logan. Well, I appreciate it. I hope it's helpful and glory to God. 
As we wrap up, I really hope that you enjoyed today's conversation. Please visit ServantLeaderNetwork.org to find more helpful resources for your leadership journey. And of course, don't forget your water walking shoes.